Section 18 of Stories of the First American Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dana Patterson, Lexington Park, Maryland. Stories of the First American Animals by George Langford, Manitus, The Merman of the Chesapeake, Part 4. Chara, Queen of the Sharks, floated in her boudoir, a garden of seaweed ten fathoms beneath the ocean's surface, with Sferna the hammerhead and Ishura the mackerel shark attending her. She was side-arching her long, tapering body and glancing admiringly at her feathery tail-fin when suddenly a shadow thrust itself between her and the dim light overhead. In another instant two broad, flat objects tumbled down into the ocean depths. They were Batwing and Whiptail, the eagle rays. Their great spreading fins, growing each side of and the full length of their bodies, gave them the appearance of flying bats. Instead of sharp teeth, their mouths were roofed and paved with thick bony plates. Their long slender tails cut the water like black snake whips as they swung themselves into position before their queen. We bring news, Batwing announced breathlessly. The mysterious stranger has arrived most suddenly and unexpectedly. He would have dashed right in on you had not the shark stopped him. Chara gasped and stared. The suddenness of it all nearly took the breath out of her. Why such haste? she demanded, secretly pleased but trying her hardest to look fierce. Seems to me he is a rather forward animal. I'm not accustomed to having strangers burst in upon me without the slightest warning. No doubt he realizes that, Whiptail now spoke up, for he was dreadfully embarrassed at the sight of us. We cannot induce him to say a word. Chara's eyes softened. The gill slits in her neck quivered. Even she, who could eat half a dozen seals at one sitting, found it hard to resist such a display of the royal visitor's tender sentiment. I believe that you little rascals are merely trying to tease me. She snickered, and then her voice dropped to an almost whisper, as though she feared that her attendants, Sferna and Ishura, might overhear. "'Tell me, is the stranger as handsome as he is daring?' "'Not exactly handsome,' Whiptail replied. "'He is much smaller than your majesty, and he looks much like a seal, and yet never have I seen a creature bear himself with greater dignity and calmness.' Chara glowed phosphorescent green. She was delighted. It was nerve-wracking, this being forever feared and kowtowed to as though she were an ogre. She was simply dying for an admirer, particularly one of a masterful nature who would bully and knock her about. Good, she gurgled. Now bid the stranger approach. One thing more. You may tell our people that this stranger is a very important creature, also a particular friend of mine and it is nobody's business what he says or does to me. Now off with you, and hurry, for I am so anxious to meet him I can scarcely wait another moment. In the meantime, our hero was given a chance to catch his breath, also to learn that he had stumbled upon a school of sharks, and not the toothed whales as he had first feared. This discovery gave him great relief, particularly as his new acquaintances showed no disposition to harm him. Rather, they appeared much interested because of his unexpected arrival among them. The water fairly swarmed with them. One would think that the whole shark family, rays and dogfishes included, had turned out for a grand celebration. They were a wicked-looking lot, with their big mouths bristling full of sharp teeth and their cold eyes staring at him through the green-clouded water. 
but by this time Manitus felt bored rather than terrified. He had poked himself into a nest of sea hornets, but failed to appreciate his danger. Sharks might be the terrors of the ocean, but he remembered his recent experience and considered the toothed whales a thousand times worse. He was wishing that his new acquaintances would swim away and leave him a clear path to the mainland when word came that the queen of the sharks awaited him. The sea cow's heart sank. More trouble. He would have given anything to be back, safe in the estuary, or even the upper river. But there was no ignoring the royal summons, so he followed as directed, and was soon ushered into the presence of the queen. At sight of him, Chara's heart palpitated so violently she thought it would burst. Her royal visitor was small and queer-looking, and yet all the more thrilling for those very reasons. Such a pygmy must be a marvel of audacity, a daring little rascal, to even think of asserting his mastery over her. Such boldness was enough to take her breath away. She felt humbled. Had he pitched into her just then, and laid down the law, she would have groveled in the mud and rejoiced at her humility. But the sea cow said, and did, nothing. The sight of the big-mouthed saucer-eyed monster before him had frozen the marrow in his bones. Chara felt a twinge of impatience. Why did not her admirer say or do something? Her impatience grew to irritation, and then she smiled happily as she saw the sea cow glancing timidly at the crowd of spectators gathered about them. She hastened to put her visitor at ease. Ah! I see so many strange faces annoy you. You prefer that we be alone. So do I. Please restrain yourself a moment while I attend to it. You might tell them to keep away from between me and the land, suggested Manitus, as the queen's purpose dawned upon him. I would have chosen the ocean side, Chara giggled. But you know best. Anywhere is good enough for me, if it pleases you. With that she turned to her followers and bade them withdraw out of earshot. This they did with a few tail-strokes, hovering in the murky water at a respectful distance. The path to the mainland was now open. Manitus was preparing to make a dash in that direction, when Chara snapped her jaws together with a loud crash that made him nearly pop out of his skin. "'Have you nothing to say?' she demanded, in a voice trembling with vexation. "'Your calmness might be mistaken for indifference. "'And do stop staring at those other sharks. "'There is only one that you need look at, and here I am.' "'Yes, there she was. "'But for the life of him, Manitus could not make head or tail of what she wanted. "'He wished that all this mummery might end quickly, "'and that he might be permitted to go his way in peace.' He glanced shyly at the queen, so shyly that the latter wriggled with delight. She endeavored to hide her embarrassment, but this was an almost hopeless task, for she was mostly mouth and teeth. "'Yes, I am looking at you,' he mumbled, trying his hardest to be agreeable. "'This is my first visit to the ocean, and until I came here never have I seen so many and such fine big fish.' "'Fish!' The queen's back fin fairly bristled with scorn. "'What do you mean calling me such a vulgar name?' It was too much. She broke down and bit the water. So great was her disappointment and mortification. The sea cow felt that he had blundered. He made a desperate effort to right himself in the queen's eyes. "'You a fish?' 
he gurgled, slapping the two halves of his upper lip together in embarrassment. I did not mean to say that. I was speaking of whales, not sharks. It was only a chance remark, delivered blindly and without forethought. But it frothed and sizzled with wit, had he but known it. Even Chara's dull intellect caught the flash of genius. Ho, ho, ha, 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 whales, fish, she roared in ecstasy. This is the best joke I ever heard. I wish they could hear you tell it. And the huge shark thrashed about so merrily that Manitus almost grinned in spite of himself. Gradually, Chara recovered from her hilarity. Her face finally sobered and assumed a puzzled expression as she gazed inquiringly at the sea cow. There are no whales here, she said. They are big, stupid creatures, and it is insulting the fish to class them together. But why mention it? Tell me, what made you think of them? Manitus saw that he was getting himself into hot water. Chara was eyeing him dubiously. No trace of coyness now showed itself in her sea-green face. He felt himself slipping, but knew not how to mend matters. He needed help. Had he but known, he might easily have secured himself in the good graces of the queen. To rule her was to rule the ocean. But in spite of his first brilliant remark, he lacked wit. He was one of those well-meaning individuals who were forever doing or saying the wrong thing. Why shouldn't I think of them? he snorted. I was just finished seeing them when I swam into all these sharks and met you. Chara's face became harder than the blade of an axe. So, you went to see them first, eh? I suppose you were after that mass of blubber Bellina. I'll bite her flippers off the next time I see her. I'll bite her tail off, too, and the tail of every one of those whales that dares even look at you. How did they behave themselves? If they played any tricks, I'll make them pay dearly. Chara was in a jealous tantrum. Her bold swain was so exasperating she felt like snapping a chunk off a coral reef. The thought that he had paid a visit to Bellina before coming to see her was maddening. If Manitus had only possessed more tact, she and the ocean would have been his. But being dull-witted, he continued on the downgrade. Tricks, he drawled. The big toothless whales didn't play any. But you should have seen the way the toothed ones acted. Never was I treated so in all my life. The little ones! That's the way the waves roll, eh? What did they do? The queen was now beside herself. Gone was her clinging femininity. She was ready to swallow the sun because its rays smote softly upon her manatus. Do, repeated the adored one. Not half of what they wanted, but it was more than enough for me. They chased me over the sandbar. Chased you? The queen could scarcely believe her ears. Manitus was a marvel of strength and courage, according to report. Surely she could not have heard aright. Yes, me, replied our hero impressively, convinced now that the conversation was taking a pleasanter turn. But I was too quick for them, and just when they thought they had me, I climbed over the bar. He chuckled as he recalled the discomfiture of his enemies. It was amusing to think how he had left them thrashing about in the shoals but suddenly his face grew ashen. His heart nearly stopped beating. He stared aghast at the huge shark, whose fury was now concentrated upon him in a look of withering scorn. Her idol was shattered. Her royal lover 
was a coward. Her mouth gaped wide. The seawater boiled through her gills. So this is why you came here so unexpectedly, she bellowed. Chased by the whales, were you, you miserable little seal puppy? What ho! she screamed to her assembled followers. Here is sport for everybody. Death to the impostor. Away with him and chew him to bits. Whoosh! Away shot the sea cow like an arrow from a bow. He secured a good start before the sharks had sufficiently recovered from their surprise to hustle pell-mell after him, and Manitus could set a surprisingly fast pace in spite of his apparent clumsiness, provided the stakes were big enough. It was nip and tuck and anybody's race until the sea cow's air supply began to dwindle. Then his pursuers gradually closed in. They might have caught him, but he was nearing the mainland and the water was shallowing fast. The sharks soon became aware of this and slowed up just in time to avoid grounding on the shoals. Manitus felt his chest touch bottom. In another moment, he was dragging himself up the beach, safe at last from his enemies, whose back fins cleaved the water close behind him. He was a tired and bedraggled sea cow, but safe and sound, which was much to be thankful for. He was lying, flippers upon the sand and tail in the water, when something descended from above and alighted close beside him. It was Buffina the gull. "'So you have returned,' she said. "'I saw you swimming out in the ocean, but did not expect you back so soon. How did you like it?' "'The water is all right,' Manitus replied timidly. "'But there are too many sharks and whales in it for me. Ah, but I am glad to be rid of them.' While he was saying this, he was hitching his round body backward into the water. "'Do you intend to try it again?' asked Puffina. The sea-cow shook his head solemnly. "'No, it won't do,' he declared. "'There is nothing left for me but to return to the old life in the upper river. There I can at least live in peace and quiet and be safe from the sharks and whales.' So saying, he backed away until the water became deep enough for him to assume an upright position. His nose valves closed, his head sank from sight, and he swam over the ocean bottom to the mouth of the estuary. Here he rose slowly to the surface and refilled his lungs. For several moments he sat bolt upright gazing across the sea. Then, with a farewell snort, he disappeared beneath the waves and began his homeward journey to the upper river. He had made his last venture into the ocean. He had seen and experienced enough of it to last him the rest of his life. His opportunity had come and gone, and opportunity rarely knocks twice at anyone's door. Better the dreary seclusion of the upper river than the turmoil of the briny deep. His chance had passed, the curtain was rung down, and to the ocean dwellers the name of Manitus the Sea Cow was but a memory. End of section 18 Recording by Dana Patterson, Lexington Park, Maryland.